ask you to open to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk, you will find in the minor prophets. They're not minor because they're less important. They're minor because they're shorter. Book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. And just by way of background, Habakkuk is the last prophet together with Jeremiah before the Babylonian captivity. So when you read the book of Habakkuk and the things that he says there, you're going to find that why does he say those things is because he knows God has revealed that the end is coming for the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah. And uh, his prophet, his ministry was around the year 626 B.C., contemporary of Jeremiah. So I'm giving you a little bit of background history as to the books. You know, the books, it's important when you read the book in the Bible to know the background. Why was it written? You know, the, the books of the Bible were not written in the order we have them, except for the first five, and perhaps Joshua. But then after that, they're, they're not in the order they were, they were written. They're just grouped in category, categories. Um, and the book of uh, uh, Jeremiah, also the Lamentations of Jeremiah, uh, historians tell us that Jeremiah was writing down what was going on as the city of Jerusalem is falling into the hands of the Babylonians. Okay? So, um, out of the book of Jeremiah, the Lamentations, we, have a, we get a great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We have sung it many times, and it's interesting that the prophet Jeremiah says that, Great is thy faithfulness. Amazing that someone would praise God for his faithfulness in the midst of the disaster that was going on nationally as the nation was falling prey to the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar okay so but that's what happens when God's people sin God is no respecter of persons and he will bring judgment upon when every other resource has been exhausted uh, we uh, I ask you open to the book of Habakkuk Chapter 3, I'm going to read two verses from the chapter 3, uh, towards the end of the chapter, verses 17 and 18. I love these verses. They're some of my very favorite, so I hope you get to enjoy them as much as I do. Habakkuk says, Knowing, keep in mind what I just told you. The end is coming. Okay? In the times of Habakkuk and Jeremiah, the end of the kingdom of Judah is coming. You know what? We may very well be living in the end. The way things are happening so quickly. Okay? Look what it says here. And this is very appropriate. Who said the word of God is old and ancient? I think the Word of God is ahead of time. It's fresh every day. Look what it says in verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, 
and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. What Habakkuk is telling us here is though there be no harvest, and you know the people of Israel back then were an agricultural people. They depended on the fruit of the land, the vines, the figs, the olives, and other things, the wheat, the barley. It was an agricultural society, and also on the animals. They depended on the animals, the sheep, the goats, the oxen, the cows, or whatever other animal they had, the birds. They depended on that. And so Habakkuk here is saying, though nothing gives fruit, so there's no, even though there is no prosperity, even though there's barrenness everywhere, even though there is lack of all these material things, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will join the God of my salvation. So we see here that he rejoices, regardless of the circumstances. And uh, that's why this morning I would like to be speaking about a joyful, having a joyful thanksgiving in everything. Okay? There are innumerable things for which we could, we could and should give thanks to God. This Thanksgiving season, we must pause once again and give thanks to God for so many things in our lives. First of all, we must thank him for our life. Secondly, we must thank him for our family. We must thank him for our church. We must thank him for our country. We must thank him for our health. We must thank him for our friends. We must thank him for Israel. We must thank him for the Bible. And we must thank him for the Savior. We must thank him for the Holy Spirit. We must thank him for adopting us into his family. We must thank him for our daily bread. We must thank him that we have a roof over our head. Yesterday I was talking to a friend of mine and he met an ex-peer, uh, school mate. And she was living in her car. Okay? Living in her car. Now, I believe that, according to what he said, she was living in her car because she was, she's rebellious and she doesn't want to be uh, under her parents, uh, you know, or family authority. She detested the Word of God when he mentioned it to her. She has a child out of wedlock. I mean, a whole bunch of issues. No job, depending on the welfare of the state. And her benefits were running out. You know, yesterday I was talking to my, our neighbor, next door neighbor. He has an elevator uh, business. He has a lot of business all the way from upstate New York all the way to the tip of Long Island. And uh, he was telling me how workers are quitting. And they go, they go and they collect uh, unemployment. And the state doesn't care. If you quit, you're not supposed to get unemployment. If you get fired or if you get laid off, yeah. But if you quit, they don't even check. You call them and you tell them that, they don't even care. 
That's how bad things are. And he says to me, they abandoned me. I'm all alone. And I have so much work to do. Do you know anybody? So is any, anybody here that knows anything about mechanics? See me after the service. Okay? The thing is that people today have lost all sense of common sense. Common sense, as time goes by, becomes less and less common. Okay? Uh, we have uh, such a disastrous situation in our midst. And yet you have politicians who are giving themselves raises in the midst of the deficit. And I don't want to mention any names. I'll tell you after the service. Okay? This is how we're living today. Everything is about me, me, me. We're living in a world of self-seeking people. They don't go to government in order to help the country or help us. <clears throat> the people, they just do uh, help themselves. How to become richer and more, you know, affluent. The Lord Jesus Christ said, the life of a man does not consist in the goods he possesses. Because when you, when you die, you leave everything behind. And we were talking to somebody <clears throat> in the family that has a lot of money and is totally apathetic about the things of God. And my sister, she said to him, let me ask you a question. Did you ever see a hearse followed by a U-Haul? And he was like stunned. He was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, did you ever see a funeral procession and behind the funeral procession there's a U-Haul carrying all your goods? And he just looked at her and he said, well, I never thought of that before. What did Job say? Job was rich. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. In other words, we, the Apostle Paul says the same thing in the New Testament. We have brought nothing into this world, and we shall not take anything from this world with us when we leave. Okay, so having said that, let us focus this morning on the Lord and giving thanks for the many blessings that, she, that He gives us. He gives you something, be grateful. Recognize where it comes from. Don't pat yourself on the back and say, oh, I did this. Okay? Like Nebuchadnezzar. Um, the Apostle Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, Thanks be unto God. Just that phrase. Thanks be unto God. We need to notice three notable gifts mentioned by Paul in his letters to the Corinthians which led him to use this particular expression, thanks be unto God. Okay, We'll look for these blessings, and then like Paul, uh, we'll pour out our own th thanks to God for them. First of all, we must give thanks for God's gift of victory over death. Death, what victory is that? It says right there in that chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, which is the resurrection chapter, he says, death 
is swallowed up in victory. In verse 54, death has lost its terrible sting for the believer. For Christ conquered death forever when he died for our sins and rose again. The Lord Jesus Christ conquered death on the cross through his death. His death killed death. So we give thanks to God for the victory over death. Secondly, we give thanks to God for victory over life. Now, you never thought of that, did you? The Lord gave us victory over death. That's very common to hear. But he also gave us victory over life. Because this goes beyond the first gift. In 2 Corinthians, he says this, Now thanks be to God who always, how often? Always leads us in triumph in Christ and through, through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. While he, uh, when the Apostle Paul makes that statement here, when he says, thanks be unto to God who always leads us in triumph, do you know what he had in mind? He had in mind in the Roman Empire when Rome conquered a certain country, they would bring back the king, the cream of the crop, as they, as they say, and the soldiers that were defeated, they would bring them behind their chariots as trophies of war. Now for the conqueror, that was an aroma of life unto life. But for those poor people, it was an aroma of death unto death because they would be executed. Now the picture here is that we Christians are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Our, con our conquest, not ours, his conquest is that he has given us life unto life. And we are thankful for that. Not only victory over death, but victory over life. So many people live defeated. Nowadays and more than ever, more than ever, okay? The indwelling presence of God's Holy Spirit enables us to triumph over circumstances and proclaim the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His, His marvelous light. Freedom comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. True freedom, that is. This morning I got sent a, a video, and images and pictures by the pastor Jamie Salaja in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Antifa is demonstrating there, and they have signs that says, Abortion is freedom. That's how low this human race is sinking. Abortion is freedom? No. Christ is freedom. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Okay? They are parading in front of his church, all these transvestites and all these immoral people with knives and stilettos. Okay? People can't go to church. His church still closed because they have all these war zones in, in Williamsburg, and we have leaders that don't do anything about it except give themselves raises. We're in a bad way. Okay? We're in a bad way. We need to pray 
We need to pray. Every Christian must get on his or her knees and pray. And I don't mean just this as a cliche. We really need to do it because we are in a bad way. Criminals have rights. Church people don't have any. I just heard yesterday another bishop took the governor to court, sued him for trying to keep the churches closed. Well, they have allow all these law-breaking immorals out there do whatever they want, and that's okay. You know, that's why I told you last Sunday, let's go out there and start looting and screaming and breaking windows and saying, I have my rights, because they won't touch us. But if we come to church, they want to touch us. Thank the Lord that we're still here. Amen? And you keep coming to church until you get a phone call from me to tell you that the church is closed. Somebody's going around there saying, oh, the church. somebody calls me this week, says, oh, they're closing down the churches. I says, who told you that? Oh, because they're closing the schools and the churches. I says, they're closing down the schools, not the churches. And I read all the things. I didn't see anything about churches. And I said, besides, we have an illustrious deacon in our church who works for the city. And he hasn't come to me to tell me that the church is closed. Huh? <clears throat> he works inside the uh, monster, the belly of the monster. <laughs> Did they say anything about closing down churches? I don't think they will dare. So far, the Archdiocese of New York has sued him. Another bishop in Brooklyn is suing him. The Jewish organization sued him. Okay? Now we need to pray. And thank the Lord that we live in a country where people still have the right and the freedom to sue whoever it is in power. I would like to think that this is still a kind of country where President Lincoln called it the government of the people, by the people, for the people. So that, let's give thanks to that, for, uh, to the Lord for that. Okay, that we still live in a country that we have the freedoms to disagree and say that's not right. Okay, that is not right. So we give thanks to God for his uh, victory over death. We give thanks to God, to God's gift of victory over life. And we give thanks for God's greatest gift of all, Christ himself. The greatest gift of all is Christ himself. So we join with the Apostle Paul as he exclaims, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And what is that indescribable gift? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When was it the last time that you thanked the Lord for his indescribable gift? Thank you, Lord, for your son. Thank you for this, his sacrifice on the cross for my sin. The value of this gift is beyond language to describe. It is Joy inexpressible and full of glory, the, the Apostle Peter tells us. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is both our Creator and Savior, giving us triumphant peace and joy in life and eternal victory over death. So, thanks be unto God. So when you sit around your family, make sure that you block the windows, close the curtains, if you have more than 10 people, as if they were going to come and take each home, right? I mean, I, I, I just, it, 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 it makes me so mad. They pass all these laws scaring people left and right, and they don't do anything about it. I told you last week we have this, my, ne my, my uh, nephew's brother, that is my niece's brother-in-law, came from Uruguay week before last. And when you leave Uruguay, you have to have the COVID test. They had reached in Uruguay up to zero level. They had no more COVID until they started all these demonstrations out in the streets, all these LGBTQ diversity and what happened the virus came back so now they're back it's 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 climbing spiking again and it's spiking in Brazil and it's spiking in Argentina and it's spiking in Chile it's spiking in Paraguay now he came from Uruguay and so he had the test done because you have to present that at the airport before they let you out so he came and they he had the paper. They said, when you get to New York, they're going to check it. He landed at Kennedy Airport. There was not a soul inside the terminal. He walked right through. And this is not the only case, because Elba Olivo had the same situation when she came from the Dominican Republic. They did not check anything. So why do you pass all these laws? Just to keep people in fear? That's why I keep on telling you, wake up. I'm not saying don't take precautions. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying do not follow these things blindly. Just because they said it. If you're going to pass a law, enforce the law. Don't just talk about it. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? If I'm wrong, I'd shut up and sit down. But I don't think I am. Okay? And I'm the only one that I'm trying, I'm trying to keep to help you keep your eyes open. You know what this person said to me from you, who came from Uruguay? The other day we were talking, he says to me, you're the first person I'm talking to who sees the real thing the way it is. Who told us that men, human beings, are, ex are necessarily wise and smart? A lot of people are not. You take it for granted, they're not. Some people have to be told what to think. They don't see it. Well, the prophets, I guess, had the same problem in Israel, didn't they? They would proclaim these things, people would not see it, and then things would happen the way they said it would, they would happen. And it's still happening. Because in the New Testament, we also have prophecies that are going to happen, and people are still blind to it. Thank the Lord we know. We know. I hope we know. Read the scriptures. Read the Bible. I'm not asking you to listen just to what I'm saying. Read the word of God. Okay? 
And that's one of the things we need to give thanks to, give thanks to the Lord more than anything else, the Bible. Okay? And, and, and let me tell you this. Learn the Bible because the day may come, they may take it away from you. Yeah, well, but we have them on the phone. They can block the phones. I have a good mind to get out of Facebook altogether. They're controlling everything. What you think, you put something they don't agree with, they block you out. They blocked my brother-in-law two or three times already. Because he put something that was offensive to them. But then other people can curse, and they don't do anything about it. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. So, what are we saying here today? Thanks be unto God. And secondly, thanks be unto God with joy and singing. David says this to us in the book of uh, Psalms. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. Sing praise. What do we do today? We sing praise. What are they telling us that we cannot do? Sing in churches. Put your masks on. There's another thing. <laughs> Dorcas Harbin, our missionary, left England and came to America. She's in Virginia now with her family. And I said, how was the flight? She says, oh, it was great, but we had to wear masks all the way, except when we're eating. I said, oh, yeah, that's right. That's when the virus goes on vacation. See, when you take off your mask at the moment of eating, there's no virus. Do you see what I mean? Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. When we remember God's holiness and how the mighty seraphim in the heavenly temple are continually crying out, we sang it in the hymn today, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, in Isaiah 6.3. And then further remember the prophet's prayer as he acknowledges to God that you are purer of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Habakkuk 1.13. This is the thing that Habakkuk was so awed about. He could not understand how a holy God could be looking at evil and not acting upon it. Well, little did he know that the Lord was about to act upon it. Eh? Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said? As in the days of Noah, so shall it be right before the return of the Son of Man. What happened in the days of Noah? They were marrying, eating, drinking, partying, giving in marriage, and marrying till the day God closed the door of the ark. How long did Noah build the ark? 120 years. Oh my goodness, don't you ever let anybody tell you that God did not have patience. 
120 years is like if, just to put it in perspective, the Lord warned Noah in the year 1900 and the flood comes in 2020. Do you know who was president in 1900? Let me see you wonderful teachers and historians. Who was president in 1900? You're not leaving today until you tell me who was president in 1900. Shame on you, Americans, that this Greek had to come here to teach you your history. Who was president in 1900? You looked it up? Yeah, cheater. You just flunked the course. Okay? That's not the, the way it's supposed to be done. Now you're not going to heaven. Huh? McKinley was the president in 1900. He was assassinated in 1901 in Buffalo, New York. The third president to be assassinated. And today is exactly 57 years that Kennedy was assassinated. It was on November 22nd, Friday, 1963. So we have a wonderful, illustrious history in this country. And it's getting worse. But do you know, if the Lord gave the warning in the year 1900, and the flood comes in the year 2020, do you think the Lord gave him enough time to repent? And then you have people today say, oh, but the God of love cannot do that. Oh, yes, he can, and he does. Because his love is not only just, oh, that's not love. That's stupid sentimentality. Love involves sometimes spanking. It involves discipline. It involves judgment. Okay? It's just that they don't want to accept it because they want to continue living their irresponsible, sinful, wicked lives. That's why. Okay? The thing is that... Um, The prophet Habakkuk was horrified. There was so much evil going on. And he said, how? He says, you, O Lord, are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. How can you stand this? Huh? In Habakkuk 1.13. And then as Paul said, for I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Romans 7, 18. Okay? It's not only to acknowledge and, and proclaim that there is sin around us. We must acknowledge our own sin. Inside of us, in our nature, there's nothing good. Okay? We can only marvel at the infinite mercy and grace of God. He has not only given our, forgiven our sins, saved our souls, and promised us eternal life, but daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. David tells us in Psalm 68. What can, what can we do but perpetually sing to the Lord and give thanks, as David exhorts us today in the verse I read just now, Psalm 30, verse 4. But how can this be? A God who is too pure and holy to even look on iniquity, yet promises 
unworthy creatures such as us, such as we are. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, 6. How can that be? This could not be, of course, were it not for the incredible love of God in Christ, who suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. It also says to us in Isaiah 53, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And that's not physical healing it's talking about. It's talking about the healing of our souls with his stripes, his wounds. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are told in Romans 5, 8. And then again, the Apostle Paul exhorts us, exhorts us in the book of Colossians. And he says this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Time and again we are told, give thanks to God, be thankful, give thanks to God. Even if we're going through difficult times. Okay? So we say, thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God with joy, and thanks be unto God for everything. Well, once again, the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. Verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You know what? It is easy to be happy and cheerful in times of prosperity. Even the wicked do that. When one has all the comforts of an affluent lifestyle and everything is going well, it's easy. But the interesting thing is that human beings, when they have everything, the last thing in their minds is to give thanks to God. Because they think they've accomplished everything by themselves. But testing times will come, and they do come. When these material comforts are taken away and one feels defeated and all alone, except for God. My mother, and I'm not going to say may she rest in peace because she is. She was very wise. Many of you knew her. 
Some of you did not have the privilege to know her. But my mom was so wise. And she said to me, now and then, if a crisis ever comes to this country, half the population will die because they're spoiled. I'm glad she's not alive here today to see all this. You know, my mom went through four years of Nazi occupation when they had nothing to eat. All they had was eggplants they boiled in olive oil, and that's all they ate. That's why my mom would not eat eggplant ever after that. Or they would go up to the hills outside of town and collect herbs, which they would take home, boil, and with a little bit of lemon and oil would eat them. Or they would go outside the German garrison, the people, and gather from the garbage cans potato peels. They would take them home, wash them, fry them, and they would eat them. And when the Nazis found out that the people were taking the garbage, you know, the potato peels, they would burn the garbage. So they would not have even that. Talk to me about rights. Talk to me about fairness. They invaded our country. And they ate all the crops of the land, and the people were starving. In Athens, people will sell a whole property, a home, for a quart of olive oil. And the year 1943, the winter of 1943 was the worst, because that was as Germany was be began to lose the war in Russia, in Stalingrad. So when they began to lose, if the Nazis were ferocious first, they were even more ferocious now. And the following year, they emptied our town of all the Jews, 1944. And the year 1943 was the worst year of the war, my mom says. It was one of the worst winters and they had nothing to eat. But just before that, and let me tell you, my home, when I say, I tell you my family, you know how many people lived in the house? About 25 people. Because back then, families stuck together. So I had my great-grandfather with my great-grandmother, all their children with their spouses and their children. And my grandmother alone had nine. My grandfather would get out in the morning and go to the bakery and order the bread to deliver it home because he couldn't carry it. They had barely anything to eat at all. And she told me that in that worst year of the war, just to show you, my grandfather was a Christian, my grandma, my grand grandparents, great-grandparents. They had a pomegranate tree in the backyard. In that year, that pomegranate tree produced so many pomegranates, they had to put them in sacks and sell them or exchange them for food. And that's how they were able to make it through the winter of 1943. They suffered deprivation, not to say anything of the fear 
they had every day and every night. Curfew by 7 o'clock, if you were out in the streets, you were shot on sight. You could not go out until 7 o'clock in the morning. No wonder my mom never threw away food. No wonder my mom did not put up with any murmuring or grumbling. Hmm? I still remember in Argentina, growing up, she says, if you were in the war in 1943 when we had nothing to eat, you would thank God for that plate of food you have right there. You're not getting up from the table until you finish. And you know what? We couldn't. I don't remember this because I was too little. Maybe I was four years old. And I refused to eat lunch. And my mom said to me, you're not getting up from that table until you finish your food. So I stuck to it. You know me, easy going as I am. I stuck to it and I said, I'm not eating. And I sat there all afternoon. When I heard my father put the key in the key, in the key, uh, in the lock, coming back from work, I began eating my food cold. I ate my food. That taught us a lesson to this day. My mom knew how to appreciate the value of things. And she will always say, if people in this country will only learn the food they throw away, it's a crime. And I remember many years ago, a minister from India, the government of India, he came here and he said, if India had the food that the United States throws out in one day, we would be able to feed the country of India many times over. Okay? What am I saying? What I'm saying is that we have a lot of abundance, overabundance, and that overabundance has made us spoiled, bratish. People talk about their rights without responsibility. And you know what? When you become irresponsible, remember my words, you lose your rights. So we need to be thankful for what we have and not grumble about what we don't have. Amen? So thank the Lord for what you have today. It might not be much, but thank him for the little that you have. Remember what the Bible says in Proverbs, better is a food of herbs and vegetables than a fat where there is peace and contentment than a fatted calf where there is strife and, con and contention. Okay? So thank the Lord. Thanks be unto God for everything. And like I said, it's easy to be happy and cheerful in times of prosperity when one has all the comforts of an affluent lifestyle and everything is going well. But you know, testing times come. And uh, all these material comforts many times are taken away. And one feels defeated and all alone. Except for God. Whatever else may fail, God will never leave you nor forsake you, he promises. Since we still have the Lord, and assuming we have trusted in him for forgiveness and salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, we can always rejoice in the Lord, in the God of my salvation. As I mentioned Job before, Job, for example, lost all his possessions. Then he lost his children. 
and finally he lost his health and even his wife turned against him and his friends were no comfort yet he could say the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away blessed be the name of the Lord God has commanded the believer in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you not for everything many times but we must give thanks in everything this has always been one of the greatest testimonies a believer can give to unbelievers the testimony of a life rejoicing in God's salvation even in the midst of trouble this was the example of Christ himself we are told in the book of Hebrews that he the Lord Jesus Christ for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God the life of the Lord Jesus Christ is a paradox not a contradiction ever it's a paradox on the one hand we're told that he is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and on the other hand we're told that he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows which is right both there's no contradiction you in your life have moments of joy and you have moments of sorrow and he was no different he was perfect perfect man he went through all of it and I was reading yesterday in a book that I've recommended to my deacons they should read and it says that we could not speak of God the Son of God or in other words the Son of Man not the Son of God but the Son of Man without speaking of his death because as the perfect man he had to die for us to be saved because without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins and that's why the apostle Paul could say for our light affliction are you going through affliction right now the Lord says it's light not much it doesn't matter how heavy it seems to you it's light and you will see that I'm right or I should say you'll see that the Apostle Paul was right when you're on the other side of eternity and you compare and you will say it was worth it it was nothing compared to this hmm? for our light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory 2 Corinthians 4.17 that's another great chapter that I recommend you read 2 Corinthians 4 so let us give thanks to God for all these things and more let us give thanks unto him for everything as we are commanded to do in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you giving thanks is not an option for the Christian it's a command we must give thanks and why shouldn't we why shouldn't you give thanks to the Lord today for every blessing there's a song that we sing many times count your blessings 
name them one by one. So when you go home today and throughout this week, as before we uh, celebrate Thanksgiving on Thursday with uh, turkey and all the trimmings, I don't know what you like, stuffing, I love stuffing, gravy, cranberry sauce. See, I too am an American. Hey, though I was born overseas, I am an American. I came to this country to be part of this country, not to change this country to make it like Greece. It has enough problems already. Uh, I am thankful. And I didn't finish the story. My parents survived World War II, as you can see. I was born after World War II. And uh, we moved from Greece to Argentina. And in Argentina, we had a revolution every so often. We had a joke in Argentina. We used to say, you go to bed at night with one president, wake up in the morning, there's another president there. There was a revolution, military, coup d'etat, and they used to change the government. You know why? Because none of the presidents of Argentina was ever worth their weight in feathers. And it's still like that. My cousin Ro from Argentina, she says, we are, be have, we are becoming another Venezuela. Okay, so they live, we lived in Argentina for 15 years, and then we came to the United States. My father and mother both became American citizens, and so did I. And both of my parents today are buried at the George Washington Memorial Park in Paramus, New Jersey. You cannot be more American than that. And I am proud, in a good sense, to be an American, even to this day. And above all things, you know what the greatest treasure I, I, I found in this country? Salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it was here in America that I trusted the Lord. All the seeds were planted in Argentina. It was here that I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. So do I have something to be thankful for today? Plenty. I thank the Lord for you, believe it or not. I do thank the Lord for you. I love every one of you. Though I may disagree with you on something, I doesn't mean I love you any less. I'm not worried. When you get to heaven, you're going to find out you were wrong. Okay? So don't, don't lose any sleep over it. I don't. I've learned long ago not to lose sleep over that. I thank the Lord for the peace that he gives me that passes all understanding. I thank the Lord for his constant presence, that he never leaves me nor forsakes me. Okay, I thank the Lord because he supplies everything that I need and then some. And I, I thank the Lord because he has given me even children that I didn't have biologically. I'm like Father Abraham. I have a lot of spiritual children. And I praise God for that. I thank the Lord that you come to this church to hear the gospel, to hear the word of God, and that it's an investment in your lives. And I praise God for that. So continue being faithful to him, regardless of what the world does, regardless of what the world says. Don't be carried by the winds and the current of this world. Stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand against the current. Stand against the tide, for we are more than conquerors through him who loved us.
So as you are about to celebrate Thanksgiving this year, sit down before the Thanksgiving feast and enumerate your blessings. Ask the question on a piece of paper, what am I thankful for? Pray and ask the Lord to show you. And as you start thinking, I thank the Lord for, first of all, for Him. Many people thank the Lord for every material thing, but they never forget to thank the Lord for who He is. Thank the Lord for the loving Father that we have. Thank the Lord for the Lord Jesus Christ, the most precious gift anybody could give us. Thank the Lord for His Holy Spirit. Thank the Lord for His Bible, for the Word of God. Thank the Lord for your church. Thank the Lord for your salvation. Thank the Lord for your family. Thank the Lord for your home. Thank the Lord for your country. Thank the Lord for Israel. Thank the Lord for your job. And if you lost it, thank the Lord because he's going to provide you another one. Remember, thank him because he is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord shall provide. If he fails you, you will make history. And you are not that important to make that kind of history. He cares about us more than we care about ourselves. So let us be thankful this Thanksgiving for all his blessings. And I'm sure that when you sit down to write down all your blessings, you will remember quite a few more. You know better than I do what blessings you are thankful for. Amen?